You're listening to Living with Dementia with Vida Healthcare. Hello, thank you for listening. My name is Nick Hancock and this is episode one of Living with Dementia, a podcast series from Vida Healthcare, specialist dementia care providers in Harrogate at Vida Hall at Starbeck and Vida Grange at Panel, both purpose-built, both modern and both with friendly, warm, caring, loving staff looking after lots of people and supporting their families as well. Now, we're going to be doing this podcast for obvious reasons on Zoom, but I don't think that matters because the quality of the conversation we're going to have is the most important bit here. This is a podcast all about the ethos of Vida, also the challenges and some of the positives coming out of COVID-19 as well. We're going to focus on coronavirus in episode one and some of the immediate changes that have been made at VIDA. And we're going to be talking with the directors. That's James, Bernadette, B, and Jilly. And obviously you can find out more about VIDA Healthcare by looking on their website. First things first, we should introduce everybody who's speaking on this podcast today. So first of all, we'll start with you, James. Hi, I'm James Rycroft. I'm the Managing Director of VIDA. Hi, my name's Bernadette Mossman and I'm the Healthcare Director at VIDA Healthcare. Hi, I'm Jill Young. I'm the Operations Director for the company. So back in 2010, my uh, father and I decided that we wanted VIDA Healthcare to specialise in dementia care. Uh, we weren't aware of any other providers that were specialising in dementia care. Uh, and the figures and the statistics in relation to how many people are living with dementia in the UK are really high. It's not good. And we thought that we needed a dedicated service to, to help people throughout their journey with dementia. And that's why we decided that the only way to do that uh, is to start from scratch. And that meant designing and developing our own buildings because there's a million and one things that you can do with good design and architecture that actually have a direct impact on people's lives. Um, so the, the, the principle of our homes, as I've said, is that we have smaller houses within the buildings and they all provide a slightly different service with a slightly different skill set, but they're based on the same principle and ethos of care. And in terms of the design, we always have continuous walkways which revolve around communal spaces with the bedrooms on the outside and that just allows people to it's an example of, of the design it allows people to keep going and keep uh, walking and never coming to any dead ends which has been proven to enhance anxiety and residents and that's just one example of how we can apply design to our homes that actually have a direct impact on people's lives so as we've developed over the years we've learned new things adapted new um, new elements to the whole process and it's been a brilliant journey to be on um, and it's great to see uh, the results of it coming to fruition but of course these buildings are only relatively a minor part of it is the staff um, it's the staff that are the lifeblood of our buildings and they're the ones that deliver the care. They deliver the ethos of care that Bernadette, Jill and I and my father set out um, all those years ago. And I'm very proud of them 
um, for doing that for us because the, it's all about consistency and we have consistency of care. Uh, that's one thing that I do know. We're not perfect. We challenge ourselves on a daily basis. Uh, sometimes we get things wrong, but we hold our hands up in the air and we'll address it. I guess it's how you deal with the mistakes. Okay, so we're going to set up a bit of a feel for VIDA as an organisation. And probably the best question to start with, James, is why make a podcast at VIDA Healthcare? Well, I think as a board of directors, we've got quite a lot to say about the field that we specialise in, which is obviously dementia care. Throughout this pandemic and throughout the years that we've been operating, we know that people like to listen and understand what's going on on the front line. Um, And this will be a true reflection of what we're experiencing on the front line of social care. And we thought it was important to share that with uh, with everyone, really, anyone that's interested in in what what we've got to say. Um, It's very, very interesting times at the moment. And... The social care market is really dynamic, changing all the time. And we are, you know, at the forefront of that, hopefully delivering exceptional care. In fact, I know we are delivering exceptional care. Well, this is all about transparency as well. And I've worked with Vida a long time and know it's a very transparent organisation. And Bernadette, could you tell us a bit about Vida's ethos of care? Yes, I mean, Vida's ethos of care is, is built on... Um, trying to ensure that we deliver a service to the people who live in the home that creates a sense of homeliness. Uh, We pride ourselves in delivering high standards of quality care to meet the holistic package of care needs. But the key thing is about a sense of purpose in the person's life, a sense that, um, that they're in good hands and that there's people there that can support them to live well with their dementia. Okay, so... When we talk through COVID-19 and we'll talk about the challenges and we'll talk about the positives from different ways of working and different things that have happened. And we'll talk about the people, most importantly, the people who are affected by this. But let's just go back to March and start where everybody was hit by something, a pandemic, which we'd never expected before. And just take us back to March, James, and as an organisation how quickly you had to adapt and make things safe and secure for everybody, every stakeholder of VIDA. Well, I think at the start of it, I don't think anyone could quite believe what was happening. You know, I keep saying it's uh, taken the world by surprise, this pandemic. Um, And I think initially we didn't know anything about it. And I include the government in that. And I don't put blame on the government. Um, I just think that it came like a massive wave and and really shocked us all but I think we were very realistic from day one when I say that we we did lock down before we were told to lock down we did start putting things in place before we were told to do that because we try to be proactive and and not kid ourselves about these issues that do come up I'm not saying that we've had issues like the pandemic before but you know we take the bull by the horn so to speak and you know Uh, implement things and as a family business we can do that we don't have to go through permissions and a big hierarchy we have Bernadette Jill and myself we make decisions and we implement them straight to the front line which is a real strength of of VIDA but yes at the start the information that was coming through from the government was changing on a daily basis Um, and, and, and all the way through this pandemic it has changed as we've learned more and more about it and I think 
you know, I'm the last person in, uh, to criticise the government in this whole process. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, everyone is desperately trying to do their best. And I think criticising um, anyone in this is the wrong approach. We all need to be, it needs to be a collective kind of fight. So let's talk through some of the immediate things that had to happen back at the beginning of the lockdown. And Jill, can you talk us through some of the first things that you had to do? Yeah, sure. Um, as, as James said, it took us all by surprise in many ways. But actually, I think we'd had a number of meetings, sort of what if meetings um, before, you know, it, it became sort of very, very real as a national thing. And we, we certainly sat down as a board and, and said, well, what do we do in, if, if it happens, you know? And we so in that sense, we'd already started to plan and think before we even knew whether it, it was going to become a reality. So, I mean, the, the first thing that, that we did, um, the immediate thing that we did, and as James said, the, the, the information coming through was very sketchy. So what we, we had to do was basically just treat it as we would treat any other outbreak in our care home. And what would we do about that? You know, it doesn't, it almost at that stage doesn't, doesn't matter what the pathogen is. It's how, what do we do straight away? And what you do straight away is you look at all your policies, <laughs> and you make sure that they um, fit the bill and inevitably because it was a brand new situation um, uh, with brand new variables we had to do some very very quick policy rewriting and those policies included things like how are we going to um, up our cleaning and what products are we going to use to do that um, don't forget, this was before face masks had become um, part of, of, of the equation. The government at that stage hadn't recommended that anybody needed to wear a face mask. But nevertheless, uh, James B and I took the decision that um, we should plan for that eventuality. So, um, you know, we, we um, put um, a big order in for some face masks, um, got some emergency stocks of those things in place. So, so the initial bit was very much guesswork, but you know, let, as James said, let's stay one step ahead. Let's just start thinking about what we're gonna do if, if the government presses go on this and it becomes a reality. So in, in many ways we were ready and, and then we sort of uh, kept an eye on the news and we listened to all of our advisors, the CQC, the PHE, everybody was struggling to get processes in place. And then basically there just came the day where we said, that's it we need to go live and we, we said that's it policy rollout everything changes and we just started to deal with our day-to-day -day operations on, in a different way i wanted to ask and I, I think this is a really really important theme of us having a conversation i wanted to ask how different the reality is at vida to the picture that is being painted in say the national newspapers for example because there's there's whole different stories aren't there going on about about what is actually happening and here you can tell us from the horse's mouth how the reality and the newspaper stories might differ yeah i mean bernadette as healthcare director on the front line of this could perhaps explain this a wee bit uh, more comprehensively than i can but Vida has been very lucky throughout this process in the sense that we have not had any issues with uh, supplies of PPE all the way through it. And, and that goes along with, with all the chemicals that we've used, the enhanced chemicals. And we've, we've, had, we've been in a position that we've been 
able to invest in lots of different pieces of equipment to add to our armory to fight this pandemic. But I think for me, what's happened, the difference between now, so we're in October, aren't we? And started in March and it hit us by complete surprise is people were, people were scared. People were genuinely scared on the front line because nobody knew anything about it. Nobody knew, you know, there were effectively horror stories that were coming via the media, you know, and, and even the GPs that were coming to see us before we went into full lockdown and we went to sort of virtual GP appointments, they didn't know an awful lot about it. And they uh, inadvertently sort of scared us by saying, this is, this is not looking good. It's not a good position to be in as a care home. And the actual reality is, is that although sadly we have uh, lost some residents, We've also had a lot of residents that have walked through this and are absolutely fine or have fought it and got through the other side. So I think the initial sort of worry about everything from staff catching it and taking it home to their families to what's happening now is that we've got control of it as people and as a workforce. And that's been massively important. Of course, the worry now is that we become complacent because we come we get so used to it and that's something that we as a board of directors really try and well instill on a daily basis uh, the fact that this is not going away in fact it's going into a second wave and we really need to to step it up b what do you think you know about this process and the reality of it all on the front line as opposed to you know, what the media say in social care. Yeah, I, I think there was a lot of fear of the unknown. And I think that's changed a lot over the last six to eight months. You know, people have much more insight, knowledge, and are far more prepared now than what we were in March. You know, it was unprecedented. And, you know, there was a lot of horror stories, as James described, going around and that, that caused great anxiety terrible anxiety for, for families and terrible anxieties for staff. Um, you say there's always something good comes out of terrible things sometimes. And what was very noticeable to me was how gelled the staff team were, how they supported and safeguarded the residents from experiencing that sense of trauma externally. And I think they also created a sense of morale amongst each other, keeping each other's spirits up. And despite every day turning on the news and hearing of some other terrible, heartbreaking story, what they did do is come back to work every day and deliver a service to the residents, which I suppose is, 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 is important that as a member of the board of VIDA that we recognise is what's made VIDA get through this pandemic. It's what's allowed us to achieve that exceptional ongoing service to the residents who, who live in our homes. I think what's a shame is that, you know, it seems a long time ago now, but the clap for carers was amazing for morale. It was absolutely brilliant. You know, and it, it puts us on a par with our NHS colleagues. And when I say that, social care has always been sort of cast as these, the, you know, the second cousin of the NHS. And the NHS are amazing. Uh, and they do amazing things on a daily basis, but so does social care, so do care home workers. They are incredible, and to have that kind of joint celebration and be recognised by the nation 
was, was absolutely brilliant and, and it was very emotional going to these Clap for Care era uh, events or it was just on a weekly basis. And it seems to be a bit, bit of a shame that it's kind of the pandemic rolls on, but the celebration and the kind of collective fight of the people against this pandemic and this virus seems to have diminished and, and it's almost become part of our everyday lives now. Um, which is a bit of a shame, really. It was a shame, um, but we still keep celebrating internally. I think I think it's really some of the words that we use. It's it's really interesting, like you know this fight and this. And one of the things that I think we've we've probably all done it a little bit, but certainly within Vida, the staff and 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 indeed we do, we've sort of all adapted this analogy of wartime peacetime. You know, we 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 tackle it like we're you know. We go to we go to war. We're going to beat this thing, and everybody's got this real, almost like blitz spirit thing going on. I hear that around the care home all the time. People comparing it to you know, uh, being in a battle, being in a war, and 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 you hear people saying, "Well, we might have done that in peacetime, but now we do it in a different way because it's COVID." You know, so people are really really tackling it with with the seriousness that it deserves, but also that little bit of British humour and that that little bit of sort of you know. That nod to more difficult times in the past. It's really interesting. Living with dementia with Vida Healthcare. I think one of the key things that um, families reach out for is honesty. They, they, they want us to be upfront, give them information that may have an impact on their loved one, that may give them an idea of the journey of the coronavirus within the home, how it's impacting on the quality of care how it's impacting on overall service delivery. Have we got issues to, ma to manage our staff deficits? Do you have enough PPE to safeguard my loved one? You know, do you, um, how do you plan to allow me to connect with my loved one? Because, the, you know, we had to lock down the home so families couldn't come in. And that is, you know, a massive deprivation of someone's human rights. We had to find ways to make sure families could connect in a meaningful way. So it was about listening and saying, what do you need? How can we get the information to you that will give you that peace of mind as best as we can based, you know, in the current situation through use of our, um, a variety of different methods of communication through Skype and through our team talk platforms, you know, through our, um, constant communication through telephones and our webinars that we have done. We, we have reached out to our families. We've tried to make sure if they have a question, they've always got someone to turn to, no matter when that is. And that, to me, is the key to everything, up-to-date and regular conversations. I think another thing um, is technology. Technology in this period of time has been unbelievable. Within this last six months, we've developed um, an app for families called Family Team Talk. We already had the platform for staff because we have nearly 500 staff now. So to communicate with all of those people collectively was really, really important for us. And we found that we needed to take sort of the bull by the horns and develop something in-house that was ours uh, as an app. And people use, you know, are used to using apps now and so Vida Team Talk was really successful for, fam um, for staff 
So we decided to actually make that into family team talk as well, which is a very similar platform. And it allows um, families a kind of insight into daily life within the house of which their loved one lives um, and allows us to communicate on a visual basis. We can upload videos and um, you know photos every day. And that is a real, obviously it's a real source of comfort because what is just one of the worst things about this whole pandemic is the fact that families are prohibited on certain levels at certain times to visiting uh, their family members and that is absolutely dreadful it's something that we're fighting to reintroduce as and when we ever we possibly can but the government have said absolutely no for the rest of October only through shut windows we've investing it we're investing in some visiting pods that will be arriving this month um but it's a real it's that's the most heartbreaking thing about this whole process is the fact that visitors can't see their loved ones husbands and wives and that's really upsetting i think for all of us and then that sort of changes or or develops the role of the staff doesn't it because all of a sudden they have to be even more than ever they have to be like family to people don't they they do they do and um you know, again, I have to praise our staff and thank them publicly, and which we do all the time, because, you know, talking about going above and beyond, like you say, I'm not saying that the staff are replacing family members, that's an impossible task to do. But what they have done collectively is stepped up, and the atmosphere and the relationships between staff and residents is in a very different place than it was prior um because it wasn't their role that they, they, they've had to fill to a certain extent that gap um of, of relationships and, and they've really done an amazing job do you agree with that Bede? absolutely i mean it's unbelievable to watch how staff have adapted over the last eight months and they, they genuinely recognize the need to be able to to fill a void you know as james rightly says we're never going to replace a family member but what we do and we've done very well is replace an emptiness, a, a hollowness that not always our residents can understand why it's there. And it's finding ways to fill that gap with things that is meaningful to them, that they can still use that time to find ways to connect with the people who mean something special in their life. It, they've created a catalyst that's allowed meaningful things to happen. And it's been, it's an innovation watching them innovate and make this happen that's been very exciting it's 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 been humbling at times so where we are today with restrictions in daily life and talk of talk of christmas and beyond christmas and six months and everything how do you feel about the challenges that are coming over the winter i for one feel a lot more prepared feel a lot more confident there's a much wider understanding of this virus and therefore you know I think over the past few months you know when when you're challenged you either stand up or fall and I really feel genuinely that Vida Healthcare and all of its staff have really stood up and said no we're not going to accept this as a virus we're not going to let this take us away we're going to fight it um, and it all sounds a bit cliched 
but the reality of it, I don't actually know how to explain it in any other way because that's the truth. So going forward, you know, we've forward bought all of our um, PPE. The government are, are supplying us with PPE as well. They've given us some funding in the infection control funding. So, you know, I think we've got ourselves into a really strong position to kind of march forward with this. And as I said, the key thing is always knowledge. We know much, much more about it now. So we are much more confident um, as a team, you know, to go forward. I think it's important now much, much more than, much more than ever really for, for people to, to hear positive things coming out of care homes. I mean, as you said, you know, you, you, there's horror stories in the press. Um, that's just, that's just the nature of it. You know, it's, it's, uh, it is only a story if it's sort of, you know, glamorized or it's worrying or it's, you know, that that's what makes the news. So I think, I think it's absolutely our responsibility to, to, to say it as it really is, particularly as our, our usual collection of visitors can't come in and see for themselves. It's vital. And, and there are all new ways of, of reaching out to people, aren't there? Because, because people can't physically be at Vida Hall or Vida Grange. You've got all different ways of now connecting with people. We talked about Skype and, and um, apps and all that kind of thing. But, but that's really important as well, isn't it, to actually to make a noise so that people can follow the story and hear what's going on. Yeah, really important. Yeah. And, you know, there's, we've had a lot of fun. I mean, t teaching the, some of the staff to use tablet technology for a start, you know, and then to watch them teach the residents to use ta tablet technology. I mean, it's just, it's, it's not, you know, it's it, some, some parts of it have been a lot of fun and there's been, there's been a lot of laughs with it as well, you know, so, um, but yeah, but vitally it has kept people in touch. Um, and, um, and we're always coming up with, you know, diff different, different ways of doing things. Nothing's off limits, really. We've, um, we've explored everything from walkie talkies right through to, <laughs> you know, to, to, to putting tablets on every house so that the maintenance team can, can zoom in and have a look even at a, a leaky pipe without having to, to go in and put themselves at risk. You, you name it, we've, we've looked at it. It's been working really well. You're listening to Living with Dementia with Vida Healthcare. Families, you know, despite the, the, the fear, anxieties that they were experiencing, not being able to see their loved one, not being able to know how they are on a day-to-day -day basis, they have never um, once stopped to make sure that the voice of their loved ones and the needs of the services in relation to social care was, was ignored. I mean, I know of many family members who went to their local MPs, who spoke out in local radio shows and televisions and, and all sorts of different ways and to connect with the media to make sure that social care wasn't forgotten and that we were a, we, we were a fundamental part in the fight of you know, this, this pandemic and the needs of older people were being... Uh, I, we're being heard, not not forgotten, and that was really important. While we, the, the people who were working in the heart of it, could continue to concentrate on what was most important, and that was the delivery of care to the residents. So it was good to know we had that voice out there, and we gratefully appreciate that. And you've undertaken a major survey during this time as well, James. So do you want to just talk us through the results of that survey and 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 the action that that's been taken since? 
Yeah, we commissioned a survey in July time and uh, it was you know, a simple 10 question survey that we did nationwide. One of the leading questions in there was, how would you feel about placing your loved one in a care home? And unsurprisingly, 75% of people across the country said that they wouldn't feel comfortable um, placing their loved one in the care home. And what that prompted us to do was react and go on the radio stations and TV, etc., and explain to people what we're doing um, as a company, which would hopefully, you know, put put people's minds at ease because we're really lucky at Vida Healthcare because our buildings, they're large buildings, but they're split down into very small effectively self-sufficient care homes. So for example, in Vida Grange, we have eight houses. Um, and what the building at Vida Grange has allowed us to do is to create a single house, which is, we call it a controlled admission suite. And that allows us to admit residents into this controlled admission suite where they are tested before admission, they're tested in the first week and at the end of a 14-day cycle. And then they're moved out into the wider VEDA population. And that seems to have worked for us uh, in terms of helping people to regain their confidence uh, in placing people. Uh, in, in fact, after that campaign, we, we, we really did pick up um, and welcome a lot, a lot of people through, um, which is great because... You know, people living with dementia, there's no timing for when someone needs to be admitted. You know, and often our residents that we welcome to Vida Grange or Vida Hall, they're in a position where they need immediate, um, an immediate reaction from a care home to be able to admit because of where they are on their journey with dementia. So our controlled admission suite has allowed us to do that and it gave us a platform that the survey gave us a platform to to talk about that and to see if that were to work and it, and it seems to have done and I think I mentioned it earlier but one of the other questions that we ask is how do people feel about uh, social care staff um, and would they put them on a par with those in the NHS and again 75% circa 75% across the nation came back and said yes and I think for our staff, that they would put them on a par with the NHS staff. And that, for our staff, is a major boost, a major boost of morale. So, yeah, overall, really positive. And it's obviously so important for families to know that their relatives will be safe. And that, that is the, the biggest job, isn't it, to, to spread the word? Well, it's, it, it's the most important thing, isn't it? <laughs> we, have, we, we call it the mum test. And whatever we do... I would have to be good enough for my mum and if it isn't then it's not the right way to be doing it so yeah there's, there's nothing there's nothing more important than the confidence um, and the backing and trust of our families and residents or else we, we can't we can't do what we do um, you know clearly we, we can only do that with our wonderful team of staff behind us I think part of our job in this this whole awful time has been to reassure them and, and to, to give them the confidence that, that we're, you know, that we know what we're doing and we're going to look after them. So the whole thing works together. But if, if one of those things is, is wrong, then the whole, the whole model falls apart and, and, and we, we, we can't do, we, we can't, we can't do what we do properly anymore, you know? 
I love that phrase, the mum test. It just, it just sort of, it just sums it all up, really, doesn't it? To be honest, it's all there is. Yeah, it's oh. all there is. If you did that that survey again, what what would you want the the sort of the figure to be? Do you think what do you think is a realistic kind of ideal figure for how how people should feel about care? I'd like to think that certainly the social care staff on a par with the NHS. I'd like to see that increase. You know, as I say, we we need each other. The NHS need social care, and social care need the NHS, uh, and therefore we should be on an equal par with them in terms of public perception and recognition from the government. Um, you know, the government talk about social care in a positive way, but don't up until recently, I'll say, don't actually do an awful lot for us. It's always the NHS that gets, you know, the headlines and the and the funding but it seems to have changed that and that's a really massive positive from all of this uh, recent period uh, and the government really have stepped up and I think the public have really recognised that not only through the survey that we've done but generally across the media it didn't really come as a surprise um, that, that, that we were on that part um, and I think confidence is growing now since we certainly I can only talk for Vida Healthcare but since we've you know, created our controlled admission suite, it really has boosted people's confidence. You know, we have this saying at Vida Healthcare, is it's all about holding people's hands through a very difficult process. And that's what we try and do. And this cold, controlled admission suite seems to be only giving confidence and comfort to people. Living with Dementia with Vida Healthcare.